familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Are you planning to adopt a newborn? Do you know you can still breastfeed your baby even without giving birth? Is it possible to get a full milk supply? Should you plan on supplementing? Today, we're talking about what it takes to create a milk supply and how this extra effort benefit both mom and baby. This is The Boob Group. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk. What's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva. Don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk never had to pump. Breast milk. All udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the boob group because mothers know breast. Welcome to The Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. The Boob Group is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for all things related to breastfeeding. I'm your host, Leilani Wild. I'm also an IBCLC and owner of Leilani's Lactation and Doula Services. Thanks for tuning in today and being a loyal listener of The Boob Group. Don't forget to visit our website and subscribe to our newsletter for updates on new episodes. You can stay connected by downloading our free apps available in the Android, iTunes, and Windows Marketplace. Here's Sunny to tell us more about how you can get involved with our show. All right. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group. We love to hear from our listeners, and we have these segments that you guys can be part of. So I'm going to share a couple different ideas, ways that you guys can participate in our show. So one of the segments is called Boob Oops, which is, you know, our funny breastfeeding and pumping stories that we have. Perhaps someone walked in on you when you were breastfeeding or pumping. We've had some stories like that, or just funny things happen while you're pumping or breastfeeding your baby. Anyways, we want to hear these stories. They're really funny, and it really helps to motivate other moms out there to know that we're not the only ones that, you know, have something funny happen to them. And uh, there's another segment I really like called Mama Hacks, and it's where we share our our pumping and our breastfeeding hacks that we've discovered, um, you know, things that make life a little bit more simple when you're breastfeeding or pumping for your baby. So if you've discovered one of those amazing hacks and you just want to share it with other mamas out there, uh, we would love to help you with that. So a couple different ways that you can submit for these segments. You can go on to our website and find the contact link. And you can send us an email and you can share your story that way. But if you want to tell the story yourself or share the tip yourself, the best thing for you to do, and this is my favorite way for people to uh, submit, is to use our voicemail. And that number is 619-866-4775. I love it because we can actually hear your voice. You can say the story uh, or the tip in your own words. And then I think it's nice, too, for other moms to hear other moms, not just hear Leilani and I talk all the time. So um, those are two great ways that you can can submit for the show and all of our segments are listed on the our website for the boob group so feel free to go to our website at newmommymedia.com and check it all out uh, let's meet uh, our mom that's with us today 
Hi, I'm Hope, and I'm 32 years old, and I work as a postpartum and birth doula and also as a lactation counselor. And I'm also um, an adoptive mom. I have one daughter who is two years old. All right. And you breastfed her, right, Hope? Yes, I did. Yep. And I'm still sometimes breastfeeding her. (coughs) Sounds familiar. If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. All right, so before we begin our episode today, there was a news headline that caught my attention and I thought might interest you guys. Maybe you've seen it if you're active on social media, but there's a photo, uh, actually multiple photos, um, they're calling them emotional photos, that are going around on Facebook and probably, I don't know, Instagram and every other social media outlet out there that allows you to post photographs. It's of a Florida mom, her name's Sarah, and she was diagnosed with breast cancer when she was 20 weeks pregnant. And before she gave birth, she underwent a mastectomy um, and the first round of chemotherapy. And then her child was born. She really uh, wanted to breastfeed her baby, but she was about to start another round of chemo. So she could only breastfeed her baby for the first two weeks of baby's life. So there was a photographer that took some photos because this was such an important time for her. And even though it was, you know, two weeks, it wasn't exactly what she had in mind. Um, She was still able to do it for a little bit and, of course, have these photos afterwards to show and I believe it was the photographer that posted some online I don't know photographer mom posted some stuff online and it's just been shared by thousands of people on social media Um, in the photo you can actually see the mom doesn't have any hair Uh, she has a scar on her chest it's visible Um, and she's just holding her baby in her arms and um, she's crying you know because it's such a happy Mm -hmm. moment for her so is anyone did did you see this online I I actually had not seen it Oh. Wow, it's it's a powerful photo. Yeah. Oh my. You know, that was amazing. I know, right? I mean, it's just such a. Um, I'm getting chills actually just talking about it because you know we do whatever we can for our kids, and and it's just so powerful to see a mom, despite everything else that's happening in her life, just be able to have that that sweet moment with her baby. So. Yeah. yeah, she found something positive in yes. the moment and took it and ran with it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, and shared it with a lot of other, uh, even unten- unintentionally. She said she had no idea that this was going to be, you know, people were going to, you know, take to these photos so much. So um, obviously we wish Sarah the best. And thank you for posting these, Sarah, if you are ever listening to our show, because I, I think this, I'm so emotional, but, um, you know, can really help other mamas out there. And I'll be sure to post this to our Facebook page. So if you guys want to check it out, see the photo. Um, um, there's a couple different media outlets that are talking about it right now, but um, yeah, very nice. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? 
Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today on The Boob Group, we're discussing breastfeeding for the adoptive parent. Our expert, Alyssa Chanel, is an IBCLC with a private practice in St. Louis, Missouri. Thank you for joining us, Alyssa. My pleasure. Alyssa, is it possible to breastfeed even if you didn't give birth to your your adopted child? Definitely is. Um, and it may look a little different. It may look similar to a mother who's given birth, but it may look different in the sense that the mother is nursing with an at-breast supplementer, which means it's a bag or a bottle that hangs around mom's neck with a tiny feeding tube that leads to the nipple, and it can carry donor milk or formula, so surplus milk that the mother's not making, so that the mother can feed at the breast. Or a mother may do some feeding at the breast or some nurturing, just comfort nursing at the breast and some bottle feeding. So there's lots of ways it can look for a mother who's adopted. Okay, and she, and she can also make some milk herself, is that correct? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. And so even the mothers who are using the at-breast supplementer may be providing sun milk directly from their breast and sun milk from the supplementer. That's typically the way it looks. And, and Hope, mm-hmm. you had an adopted child, and you mm-hmm. were, were you able to um, produce milk for your baby as well as supplement? Yes, I was able to produce a pretty good supply, but my supply did kind of ebb and flow Um depending on, I guess, where I was at with my cycle, because I never really didn't have my cycle. So just depending on what part I was at, I sometimes had a really good supply. I mean, there were times that I could pump seven ounces in one sitting, and then there were other times that I'd only pump one or two ounces. So I often use a supplementer, but there were some times that I didn't, and that was always like a really good feeling. But eventually I kind of felt that having a full supply wasn't as important as I initially thought that it was. Mm -hmm. And, and more important was what, what, what was more important to you? Um, I think just, I realized how special our nursing relationship was and that I could have that and maintain that. And it didn't really depend on me having a milk supply or not, because I could use an at-breast supplementer. And that really helped, I guess, I think I, I think that that really helped with increasing my supply as well because I had the extra stimulation all the time um, from using that breast supplementer. Okay. Um, Alyssa, can a mom actually get a full supply? It does happen. Most mothers who induce lactation, which is what is the term for bringing in milk without pregnancy and birth, will produce some milk but not all. Um, And the range can really vary. It's been my experience personally and also working with my clients that moms have brought anywhere between drops of milk to a full milk supply. And there's various things that can impact that. Um, If the mother's given birth before, she's more likely to make uh, more milk. If she uses a medication called Domperidone, she usually makes more milk. If she uses an at-breast supplementer, as Hope mentioned, that creates that extra stimulation, helps them to make more milk. And if they work with an IBCLC, you know, having that guided support can make a big difference. On the other hand, if a mother has infertility issues uh, due to hormonal reasons, that can make it more difficult for her to make more milk. So those are kind of, there's a lot of factors that go into 
how much milk a mother makes, and that's why it varies so, so greatly. And and that's probably why it's really important to have an IBCLC to help walk you through um, what you're about to go through in, in advance as well, right? You don't wait to the last second, or can you wait to the last second if you're surprised with a baby that's uh, arriving or um, adopting um, suddenly? Right. You know, ideally, we see the moms, as soon as they make the decision, they want to breastfeed. So that could be even before they have a match. And we can make a plan then. But I recently saw a mom who it was like a Wednesday night and her baby was being born via C-section Thursday morning. So she had like just hours uh, from when we planned it to when the baby was born. And even, you know, if the baby's already been born, you know, we could start then. It's You know, I'm really about meeting each mom wherever she's at. And as you said, with adoption, there's so many unknowns and we have to be so flexible. Mm. It's good to know that um, each mom that is about to um, enter into the the adventure of adopting a, a child and wants to breastfeed, that it doesn't matter when she starts or it's just a matter of a decision that she makes and, and what she does with that decision as far as reaching out for the help and, and putting the effort into it. Is that correct? Definitely. And I think that's probably something that maybe isn't as well known that it's not too late if you don't have much time. You don't need a lot of time. You can just jump right in wherever you're at. Alyssa, how much supplement did you did you need, and did it change as you went through your process of breastfeeding and still up to this day? Yes, um, it did change. I worked really closely with an, well, a couple of different IBCLCs as I went through my protocol, and so I was really happy that I had that existing relationship with them for when I brought my baby home. And I also worked with a different IBCLC at the hospital that she was born in because she was born in a different state. So um, in all of those circumstances, I would often have her weighed and consult with the IBCLC about how much supplementation to be using. Um, and I found that her doctor and pediatrician while she was still in the hospital was wanting me to use way more supplementation than the IBCLC felt was necessary, um, which I felt was important to consider because I wanted to demand as much from my body as possible and not yeah, impact my supply negatively by supplementing with too much. Then I eventually um, used the supplementer less and less, and I would um, sometimes just bottle feed after a uh, a nursing session or if I knew my supply was a little bit higher, sometimes I wouldn't supplement at all or things like that. And now um, we mostly just nurse for comfort. And so I don't use supplement supplementation at all anymore. So that's, that's really nice. You know, you made a, a, a statement in regards to the conflict between the IBCLC and the doctors as mad as, as far as how much supplement Alyssa, can you explain to us um, why, what happens in that situation or what moms need to know about that? Well, probably the first thing that moms need to know is that doctors get very little training on breastfeeding. Um, so you can imagine what they know about breastfeeding in a special situation like this is probably nothing. Um, so I wonder if part of what Hope experienced is sort of just a whole lack of distrust of the whole the process of inducing lactation that the doctors had, that they just they, they didn't believe it was true. And that was my experience as well when I brought my doctor, my daughter to the doctor the first time, and she was exclusively breastfeeding, um, he, the doctor asked me, well, but what else are you feeding her? And I said, well, nothing. And he said, well, I mean, in the bottle. And I said, 
we're not using bile. No, but, but, but what's the other food you're giving her? And, like, he could not believe it. <laughs> and it took, like, several minutes of rounds of going around until he, like, really believed that she was breastfeeding. He's not alone. There's so many people out there that haven't ever heard of this or ever experienced or even knew someone that has gone through this. So this is what's so important about educating, you know, the, the public and, you know, future moms about how important breastfeeding is and, and that it can be done. It's it's not impossible, as, as you both know. Mm-hmm. Well, our bodies are just, they're incredibly amazing. They are. They are. Well, when we come back, we will discuss why a mom should consider creating a breast milk supply and what the steps are to make her supply as full as possible. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. We're here with Alyssa Chanel and IBCLC with a private practice in St. Louis, Missouri. Alyssa, why should a mom consider creating breast milk? You know, there's lots of reasons why a mom might want to induce lactation. In adoption, there's often a lot of stress in utero for the baby, whether it's lack of prenatal care, exposure to drugs, nicotine, alcohol in utero, and even the stress of an unplanned pregnancy can affect the baby. So these babies are already born more susceptible to illness, so the advantage of You know, the nutrition and immunities of the breast milk is going to be especially important for these babies. But also, probably even more importantly, is the attachment factor, that any baby who is adopted has experienced a disruption in attachment. If that baby's been in foster care or institutionalized care, obviously there's going to be multiple disruptions in attachment or even a lack of attachment for a period of time. But even babies who are adopted at birth, they start attaching to their gestational mother in utero. And research has shown that babies experience stress when they're separated from that gestational mother. And so breastfeeding is a really excellent tool to help the baby and the mother bond to each other. Hope, what, what were your reasons that uh, made, made you decide to create your breast milk for your baby? Um, well, I think initially the first and foremost reason that I wanted to induce lactation was for nutritional reasons because I really knew all of the major benefits of breast milk, but then also just for the close relationship and bond that that would help with um, just because of adoption and things like that. I knew that that would be important. And then ultimately like the closeness and nurturing relationship that we had because of nursing became even more important than the nutrition aspect. And then I would also say um, something that I didn't necessarily expect, um, but definitely came out of it was just a lot of healing from experiencing infertility for so many years and just totally restoring faith that my body wasn't totally broken and that it could do something really beneficial. That was a really healing and wonderful realization to have. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really important. I like what both of you have said. It seems that, you know, as an IBCLC, you understand the heart of, of a woman and of a woman um, able to carry or not carry and then the benefits of creating that breast milk for the baby. On both ends, you guys seem to have captured the whole essence of breastfeeding and the importance of bonding with the baby. I, I love that. Alyssa, can you tell us about 
how production is made as far as maybe what the steps are to make breast milk. We've heard of, or maybe some of these moms out here have not heard of, the Newman Goldfarb Protocol. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, sure. So the primary mechanism in which a mother induces lactation is stimulating the nipples and breasts. So that can be with a breast pump. It could be with the baby at the breast, particularly with an at-breast supplementer. And then if she takes medications, could be a pharmaceuticals or herbs or a combination of both, that can boost the effectiveness of the physical stimulation. So the Newman Goldfarb Protocol is a set of steps that was developed by Dr. Jack Newman for a mother through surrogacy, Lenore Goldfarb, who is also an IBCLT, and she's the one that was the first to use it and then really promoted it so that the rest of us could learn about it and use it as well. And it involves using medications as well as pumping to help bring in the milk supply. It is um, it, it can be a longer-term um, process, taking several months ahead of time to start bringing in milk before a baby arrives. So it's just one approach that many moms have found really helpful for bringing in milk. It involves using... Um, some medications to cause the breast to change as if the mother was pregnant to help to grow the breast tissue as well as cause the hormonal changes that would happen um, with milk production and with pregnancy and sort of simulating the pregnancy and the birth causing the milk to come in. Why would a mom choose this particular protocol over her other options? Because there are, you know, as you have said, there are other options out there. Some are not as um, medicated uh, of a program. Then I would say the main reason that mothers choose this protocol is that it tends to really work well. Um, it's probably, you know, the most effective approach as far as bringing in milk that she could use. But it's not a right fit for everyone, primarily usually regarding the medications, either that they choose not to or they cannot take those medications. And so there's lots of other ways to go about it and um, that are great. And so we really, we want to talk to each mother and customize an approach that's going to fit her. And a lot of times, We'll start with the Newman Goldfarb and take a piece out here and add a piece in there. And when you work with an IBCLC, she can help you do that in a safe and effective way to make the best protocol for each individual mother. And as you're working with a mom in regards to using this Newman Goldfarb protocol, do you adjust it week to week as you see progress or lack of progress? Is that what you're doing? Usually I don't keep in touch with moms that often, although if they choose to keep in touch with me, I'm happy to, you know, adjust it as needed. But usually we don't tweak it that much as we go along. It's usually once we get something set, there's not, there maybe a little bit of tweaking here and there. And especially once the baby arrives, then the game changes and, you know, we could work on, work on that again. Okay. Uh, Hope, did you use this protocol? Um, I did because I really, in my research that I tried to do leading up to um, adoption, I felt like it probably was my best chance of bringing in the most milk. Um, but also, I didn't know, I mean, I at the time when I was researching it, I really felt like there was not a lot of good information about other protocol options. And so I started that protocol right away when we started our adoption process. And so I was able to be on it for about six months before our daughter arrived. And so I knew I had that lead time to be on that particular protocol, so that was helpful. But then later on in the process, I did 
um, discover Alyssa's book, Breastfeeding Without Birthing, and that actually was really helpful for me to learn a lot of other um, good options for additional things to add to the protocol, like acupuncture and herbs and other stimulation, things like that, and techniques for pumping. So that was really helpful as well at the end. Can I make a comment on what uh, Hope said? Um, when I first started my private practice and I was working with adoptive mothers, many of them had the experience Hope had where the only thing they knew of was the Newman Gopar protocol. And so if it wasn't a good fit for them, they would throw out their hands and say, oh, I guess I can't breastfeed. And so that has been one of my goals in writing the book and in my private practice is to open it up for, for people regardless of whether the Newman Gopar was a good fit for them or not, to help them make make a protocol that can work for anyone. Or in some cases, not every mother will induce lactation, but they can still breastfeed. Some of them will just exclusively use an at-breast supplementer and provide all the food that way, or some will just nurture at the breast and bottle feed. So there's so many options so that we can make any piece of breastfeeding that that mother wants make that work for her. Hope, if you had to do this all over again, would you change anything? I think that I may, actually. I I think that the Newman Goldfarb protocol worked pretty well for me in general. And I've, I found that um, in my experience, Domperidone was pretty helpful in boosting my supply. Um, but I guess it would all depend on if I had the same amount of lead time and things like that. And I think also just now from having so much more information from Alyssa's book and things like that, that I know that there is a lot of other options. And so I think I feel pretty open to, yeah, doing whatever would work for that particular situation, depending on my timeline and things like that. So Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Alyssa and Hope, for helping us all better understand why we should consider inducing lactation to create a milk supply for our adopted child and what it takes to get there. And for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of this show as Alyssa will talk about her own personal experience of breastfeeding her adopted child. For more information about our Boob Group Club, please visit our website at newmommymedia.com. So here's a question from one of our listeners. This is from Misha, and this is what she wrote. I have a question, but here's some background first. I nursed my first daughter, now five, for 14 months and rarely pumped and had an awesome supply. My second daughter was born with some health issues and a cleft in her soft palate, and all I could do was pump. And after the stress of the NICU, which she was there for seven weeks, and the stress of a feeding tube amongst her other health issues, my supply dried up around five months. I did, however, receive donations of breast milk for nearly two years. Such a godsend. Now I'm nursing my third daughter and had no problems at all until last week, and it seemed that my supply dropped overnight. When I pump, I only get one to two ounces. How do I build it up, and what could be the problem? She is almost four months, and I nurse on demand. My husband suggested that I quit pumping for extra milk because of all the negativity that came along with having to pump solely for my second child. Could it be a mental thing with stress? I've been taking supplements for a while to increase my supply. Any thoughts or ideas would be greatly appreciated. This is Dawn Kersla, and I'm an IBCLC and RN at Brattleboro Memorial Hospital in Brattleboro, Vermont. So, Misha, this is quite a complicated question that you have posed for me. And the reason for this is because there can be so many different reasons, as you well know, for drops in supply. 
So the first thing that I want to do is congratulate you because your babies are so lucky to have you for a mom. You have persevered under unusual situations and unusual circumstances. And so this third baby is so lucky to, to be getting breast milk as well. So here's a couple of things I'm thinking about. Um, the first one is that our bodies change from the endocrine to autocrine control of lactation, usually somewhere between 8 and 12 weeks. So we kind of go on autopilot instead of so much uh, the you know prolactin oxytocin thing that we so often read about for how moms make milk, and so that's a time when we often perceive that we've lost our we've lost our milk because our breasts get softer and our babies are stooling less. So sometimes it's hard to tease out that answer, um, but usually those babies continue to nurse on a pretty regular basis and be pretty happy with it. Another crazy thing that can sometimes happen that I would be a little worried about is if you've had an oversupply, which it's possible that you've had just because you've you've already nursed twice and did such a great job of pumping with that second baby for so long, sometimes you can actually um, have a decreased supply because all this time the baby has basically been able to be a very lazy nurser and still get all that they want. I've seen babies like just lay there and let the milk drip into their mouth. So think back a little bit and think, do some detective work for yourself on that. If you can only pump one to two ounces at a time, I would encourage you to remember that in a full day, at this point, you'd probably only be getting one ounce per hour, maybe a little bit more than that. So if you didn't pump for two hours you and you got two ounces, you probably have a sufficient supply. Um, and remember that your baby is probably taking some of that as well. So some of the things I would think about is, how is your baby acting? Is your baby acting still pretty happy at the breast? Um, another thing that I would think about it would actually be um, getting a good uh, IBCLC with a scale to help you. You could actually do a pre and post prandial weight they're called so you could actually see how much the baby was getting in one feeding that's kind of a crapshoot though because sometimes babies are getting a lot they're getting different amounts at every single feeding so you'd have to like walk your fingers around before and after to see if that was a quote-unquote normal feed but I would certainly not be afraid to continue to pump sometimes um, if you're nervous about that supply and as long as you're enjoying the pumping and it's not making you feel like, oh, not again, I would certainly continue your supplements. And the other thing I have to say about stress is that for most of us, stress does not make our milk supplies go down. It's, you want to have a, be able to, as you well know, you want to be able to have a letdown to that pump. But I have one girlfriend, she always says that the best way to make more milk is to have a big mug of hot chocolate with a big squirt of whipped cream on it. Now, we're in Vermont where it's cold this time of year, so that would be very good. But wherever you are, think of a way to put your feet up, relax a little bit. Maybe that husband of yours needs to give you or your five-year-old needs to give you a foot massage and see if that doesn't help a little bit with the stress while you're pumping. And I wish you the best. I would love to know what happens. Thanks. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, Newbies for Newly Postpartum Moms Through Baby's First Year, Parent Savers for Moms and Dads with Infants and Toddlers, and Twin Talks for Parents with Multiples. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a new Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. 
While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.